Hello there and you're very welcome back to Series 8 of the Public Eye Podcast, a five-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'll be your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Cunningham, owner of the Morn Larder. Paul, welcome to the Public Eye Podcast Studio. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Before we begin, Paul, I'm just going to give uh, listeners a little bit of background to you and your business. So, Paul has been acclaimed the best chef in Ireland and featured on the BBC's popular Great British Menu series. Morn Larder is a small food enterprise that Paul set up recently to specialise in dried sea vegetables and wild herbs as healthy ingredients for home cooks and other professional chefs. A native of Dundrum, Paul is a father of three young children. He's also just launched three natural and original products based on his long-standing love of foraging the County Down coastline for healthy seaweed and the slopes of his beloved Mourne Mountains for wild garlic and other edible herbs. Paul has enjoyed a love affair with food that goes back to his childhood when he foraged with his grandfather and father around the bay at Dundrum and on the slopes of the Mourne Mountains. It sounds absolutely idyllic. Paul, did you just have the best childhood? Yeah, it was amazing. Like where I live in Dundrum, <coughs> you're five minutes to the forest, you're five minutes to the beach. It's perfect. You know, it's perfect. So why did you want to become a chef, first of all? Um, I fell in love with food from a very, very young age, through my grandfather. But then I took a job as a dishwasher when I was quite young. And I loved the buzz of the kitchen. I loved the create creativity. And it was just for me, I was hooked right away. You were hooked. Now, we mentioned there about your grandfather and him taking you foraging. Was that an unusual thing at the time? Or what are your memories of that? No, my, my granddad taught me how to live off the land, but most importantly, how to respect the land. If you respect the land, they'll respect you back. And I come from a big, big family. Like, there's nine children in my dad's family. So you imagine how many cousins I have. How many? But he's, he's seen <laughs> loads. But he seemed to focus on me. Maybe he's seen that wee twinkle in my eye or something. I don't know. Oh. But he taught me a lot. And he, he's, he's still there up watching me. I know he is. Oh, so he passed away. Mm -hmm. Right, he must be so... He would be so proud of Hopefully. what you're doing Hopefully. now. So foraging. So, I mean, were you talking to maybe your friends at the time saying, this is what I'm doing with my granddad. Did they even understand what you were doing? No, no. Not many people had a clue. Like, and some people thought it was a wee bit weird. You know, <laughs> to be honest, who's that guy picking weeds, you know? But um, over the years, it's become a lot more popular. Like, I get stopped on a daily basis now. And I have no problem showing people all the at and explaining the health benefits and why I do it. Did you come back to the foraging? Was it? Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, did it stop for a while and then you, or were you always doing it? Always doing it, but it's developed seriously over the last 10 years. Now, let's just actually explain what foraging actually means. So mm -hmm. if I was, if you were to take me out today, what would we do? Yes, yeah, so we would just go for a walk and I'd explain you what's, what's edible in the wild and explain the flavour difference, you know, and the health benefits as well. And do you eat them at the time? Yeah, yeah. Like normally whenever I take people out, I have I have my lunch on the beach. Do it's you? It's the best way. You know, it's, it's okay showing people, but it's all in the taste, really. So tell me, if, I mean, I actually live on the North Coast, so yeah. I, I regularly walk by the sea, but I never think to nip down and try a bit of seaweed. What yeah. should I be looking for? So, well, there's loads of seaweed. There's there's no seaweed you can't eat. There's just some aren't really nice to eat, you know. No. So you'd be looking for your dullest. You'd be looking for sea lettuce. You'd be looking for channel rack. 
maybe sea truffle as well, which is so amazing. Sea truffle, what yeah. does that look like? It, it smells and tastes like a truffle of the sea. Oh. And it sticks to the bladder rack. It's sort of wee fours and chef secret, oh. you know. <laughs> but, you know, truffles are so expensive where this is free on the beach. You know? So there's no making sandwiches and flasks <laughs> of this, that and the other. When you go down to the beach, you literally say, and you have three little girls, and mm-hmm. do they forage? Yeah, they forage as well. So my eldest daughter, Farah, she can name every seaweed in the beach, which is amazing. And she's only, what, six? <laughs> she's only six, yeah. Oh, she yeah. Gosh, <laughs> isn't that just gorgeous? It does sound idyllic. Um, now you do, okay, so you eat them fresh, but you also dry out herbs mm-hmm. and spices. Where did that yeah. love come from? So over the years, I've been trying to create a tewar style of cooking. And um, in the last year and a half, I've went 100% tewar, which means I don't use any ingredient unless it comes within 25 miles. Oh. So I, I make all my own spices. So I was drying out woodhaven roots, so it'll give me a flavour of cinnamon and clove. I'll turn it into a spice. So I have a whole jigsaw of spices in my house if you put it like that and the same as instead of using lemon juice because lemons don't get grow here yeah. I would just cider and use that as lemon juice so just to give you an idea of how that works you know and would you like to see more people doing this yeah yeah definitely like look at I believe this is one of the richest lands in the whole country you know, and I'd love to see people more embracing local produce. So people think, oh, I don't really have time for that, or I don't need it. I don't even know how to start. How easy is it? It's so easy. Just go into your local, go to your local food market and get talking to people and create relationships. It becomes really, really easy. You know. So you've also been on the Great British Menu series, mm-hmm. not once but but twice. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, how did that, that come about? That was amazing. I got a phone call one day. And it just went from there. I didn't believe them at the start, to be honest, because it's a show I've watched since it started. And I've always gone, well, I'd be good enough to be on that someday. Oh. And it turns out I am, um, which was great. It's a great honour to represent your region as well. You know, um, and you never know, I might get an hour chance to go back home. So how far did you get, just to remind us? I, I got knocked out first, in okay. the first time, oh. which is disappointing. Yeah. But um, just, just nerves got the better of me. You know? Right, yeah, that pressure was it mm. with the TV cameras and everything around. No, just, I think it just occurred too much, you know. Oh. If 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 that's the right way of putting it, you know, just nerves got the better of me. And were you um, there representing your own restaurant at the time, or you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was our representing Brunel's. Brunel's, okay. So an incredible um, achievement, though, to even get that far, and it must have mm. definitely put not only food in your belly but fire in your yeah. belly to go back again. Exactly, exactly. Because every time you do a competition, you push yourself to get better. So no matter where you win or lose, you've become a better chef. And what did it do for you in terms of confidence and in terms of, I suppose, profile? Yeah, yeah like setting up more in order without being a great British menu, it wouldn't be as successful as it is now. That is without a doubt. Like, and the, the contacts I've made are amazing. So tell us about the Morn Larder. I'm sure many people uh, around this area will, will know it. But for those who are out of town... What can we expect mm. if we come to the Morn Larder? So if Morn Larder, the, uh, the idea of the, the business name idea came from, so I only cook with the larder the boards provides. So that's, that's the idea the business came from. So I want to um, promote and utilise local produce, and that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to do that through secret dining events. Ooh. So the idea is people buy tickets and they don't know where they're going, and I pick I picked them up uh, in a black What about control bus. freaks? <laughs> <laughs> you picked them up in a black bus? In a black bus. Where from? From normally in the sleeves are in Newcastle. <gasps> and they still don't know where they're going. But that's exciting. But it you're making people actually. sort of feel the kids again, you know. Mm. And then I, I've got locations all over the Visit Bourne area where I take them to and then do a 12-course taste of mine. Now, it was only meant to be eight courses, but I sort of got carried away, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. But don't have breakfast or lunch. <laughs> no. But there are, it's all ingredients that come within 15 miles. 
and I've been in a cluster in the last year with local producers, there's 15 of us, so I bring in a lot of our projects, so I'm trying to push their projects as well. So they get picked up and the sleeve donored in their in the blacked out. Do, mm-hmm. Can they see around? Yeah, oh yeah. right, they're not like blindfolded <laughs> or anything like that. And do you go to food producers locations and restaurants, or what way does it work? All different locations. Like the first one, for instance, was in the middle of the forest. You can't yeah. tell me where. <laughs> You'd have to kill me. If you it's don't a secret, you know. And what? How did it go then? What are what are people? How are they? It went amazing. It went amazing. You know, one especially for me, you're getting people to eat foods that. They mightn't have tried before, and for me that's a biggie, because you're getting people eating more lamb, or they might have been used didn't like lamb before, but it might be New Zealand lamb they're eating, or maybe they're eating scallops. Like I didn't eat, sh- I didn't like shellfish before, but maybe they're having poorly handled shellfish or poorly cooked shellfish, you know. So how do you organise all of that? Do you have all of the kit mm-hmm. there, and then you arrive at the destination, or you're just cooking in the wild kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, cooking in the wild. So I have a custom built barbecue. Oh. It's a big six foot square, like Argentinian cowboy style barbecue. And I'd cook everything up in that, but then everything's served to a missile standard. Do you have a little drink with that? Yes, yes, so we only serve local drinks as well. And then you drive everybody home again? Yeah, yeah. Which is very important. <laughs> so that's amazing. And and how much would it cost to get a, one of those tickets? It's £130 a ticket. Right, okay. And you can take up to? At 24 to 40 people each day. Oh my goodness me. So that's brilliant. And really, again, now that things have opened up a little bit and we just know this is such a gem in this area, this Visit Morn area, but this is going to be a fantastic addition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how far this goes. Like, you know, it, as at the moment, it, I've been overwhelmed with feedback. Well, I suppose if anybody's listening to this now, we better say, how do, how do we get in touch about the secret dining experience? Yes, so I'll be releasing more tickets in May for dates in August. And I normally do a freebie Instagram, more than other Instagram. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. Now, you definitely are an ideas man. You don't just sit and say, well, I do the more and larder and that's it. Um, you, that head of yours is busy. Yeah, yeah, it's very busy. If you want something done, you go to a busy man. That's <laughs> what I was told. Um, yes, I'm always on the move. Um, trying to push as hard as I can. I really care about local projects and I really care about this area. So I'm just trying to push that in whatever way I can. And you say you've got 15 of you all working together. What's it like being part of a collective from an area that you're so proud of and you love the produce? It's great because we all share the same views. We all really care about this area, but we also care about the produce. Like, it's it's nice seeing everyone else because there's no additives. It's just raw, natural produce. And it's great to see that, you know. Do you have a favourite? Mm. Well, it would be a whiskey man, so I quite like Cologne, Cologne Distillery. Well, good. His whiskey is uh, amazing. But to say that, it's hard to pick a favourite because there's that many good ones. Mm-hmm. Like you've got Castle Screen Farm as well. Their Dexter beef is amazing, but mm-hmm. also it's their pork and their lamb. You've got Whitewater Brewery there as well. There's Short Cross Gin. There's, there's a lot, like, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and I suppose you can wake up one morning and fancy something different to, mm-hmm. to the day before. What are the taste of the lock cruises? 
Mm-hmm. Tastes of the lock, is that right? Yeah, so it was Tastes of the lock. So I was contacted by them last year to do a taste menu. So again, following my style, whenever I go to cook somewhere, I'd only use ingredients from last date or from the lock this time. So I create a five-course taste menu only using ingredients that would be found in and around the lock. And how did that go for you? That went really, really well. It was it, it was a lot of work. Well, not a lot of work. It was, it was a big push. So it was 550 plates of food in two hours. Oh, my word. Which is quite, quite a bit, like, you know. Okay, so, you know, how many team members do you have then? It can't, you can't so do all of this. There's four yourself. of us, but there's four just, of you. just me in the kitchen. What? Yeah, or well in the side of the boat, <laughs> you know, to put it that way. Do you love pressure? Yeah, yeah, I like pressure. I I, um, I work better under pressure, you know. 550. I mean, what prep yeah. do you have to do to get to that point? That it, was, it was a free, free day's prep. Three days prep. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, how organised do you have to be? Talk, talk me through when you're coming up to something like that. You know that it the buck stops with you, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody's experience stops with you. Mm-hmm. Does that pressure get too too much, or no, no. how do you how no. do you get I, ready for that? I thrive better on pressure. You become more focused when you've got more pressure on you. Well, that's why I am. Maybe it's a chefing, you know. And it's all about the five P's. I was told when I first started cooking, so it's proper preparation prevents poor presentation, and you just got that in the back of your head. So if you're if you're not prepared, it's going to go bad. No, and uh, those organisational skills that you actually get from being a chef mm-hmm. um, must stand you in great stead all through your life. All the time. I'm a list man. I get lists for everything, you know. To-do list, yeah. 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 Um, and, yeah, and probably would be great training for, for anybody just to be how to, how to run their lives, how to budget, yeah. how to not waste food. Is that, mm-hmm. is that exactly. a big thing for you? Yeah, big thing for me, yeah. I'm actually getting ready to open a sustainable hot food bar. Oh. And it will have a zero waste depot as well. Like food waste is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I done a meal in the banana block. Was it a month ago now? And I done a five five mile menu, five courses. But instead of using produce, I use by produce. So what does that mean? So it's stuff that we went in the bin. So oh. if you take the likes of young buck cheese, I went to him and took ten liters of his whey. So that's the byproduct for making his cheese. Ah. And I reduced that to a liter to make a whey dull stilashi and then turned that into a sorbet. That's incredible. Oh, again, you're just, I'm, I'm trying to keep up here. <laughs> you're just throwing things at me. Myself, <laughs> you know? And my, my brain takes a little yeah. longer to compute all of this. Um, so, byproducts, right? Okay, so that's something, again, that's so brilliant and mm-hmm. it needs somebody like you to coordinate. Yeah. Um, how did that go down whenever, you, you know, you, you have these arrangements with the producers? Mm-hmm. That, that went very, very well. Very well. It's nice to see them that. They can see their product from a different light. Yeah. You know, and if they were they were able to maybe sell it a different light, th- their business could be more prosperous. Okay, yeah. and was that something that they would consider? Hopefully. Hopefully, Hopefully. right, okay. And um, why is it important to you to 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 keep changing, keep doing more things? Just just to keep it exciting. Keep it you know, exciting. Keep it exciting, you know. Yeah. So do you do anything outside of cooking? <laughs> do you have any time for life? Well, most things I do are to do with food, even if it's a day off. So if it's a day off, I'd be out with the kids, I'd be out foraging <coughs> or cooking wild on the beach or something. It's always to do with food, but I'm quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. You know, food's the goal of my life. And some people are like, oh, it's a bit sad, but I'm really happy with that, you know. Uh, and you just adore food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely and horribly. And you talked about the children, that they would go foraging with you. Mm-hmm. But how adventurous are they, would you say, in terms of their palates and how developed are their palates? Very, very adventurous, you know. Like we fire wrote me a wee, a wee drawing, it was two weeks ago, and it was wood sorrel. And it was a drawing of wood sorrel, and she drew it exactly, the leaf structure is correct, and she says it's healthy or not in the big ticket, yes. Oh. You know, and they love it. Like, oh, and it's healthy food, food really important mm-hmm. to you yeah, also. 
you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, you are what you eat. It's very, very important. Does it sadden you when you look at maybe, you know, with so much fast food out there, with so many takeaways, we have an obesity crisis, mm-hmm. but more and more people, do you think they want to get healthier? Yeah, yeah, more and more people do want to get healthier, but are the options there? You know, and it's all about convenience nowadays as well. It it's about rush, educating rush, rush, yourself too, you know. as well. <coughs> but a lot of people think eating healthier costs more. No, no <laughs> not no, in your book. No, no way at all. You know, it's it's eating smarter. You know, it doesn't have to cost more. It's about getting to know your local producers. Even quite for a wee walk, and you'd be surprised what you can pick up for your dinner. You know. It's so interesting. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm really keen to find out more. Um, mm-hmm. I love food and I love trying new things. Uh, I still juries out whether I want to eat all of the seaweeds on the beach, <laughs> but um, you know, and I'm so used to the to the the bags of dulse mm-hmm. up in Port Stewart, uh, definitely dried out, and it, it is lovely. What's next? Would you say um, for more larder then? Yeah. So, well, this week I'm doing the launch event for a cluster. So we've been developing these experiences for the last year, and I've been asked to do a launch event, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm overwhelmed, so I get to launch all the experiences. So I'm doing Seeker Dining on Friday for 50 people, and 35 of them will be food journalists, which is amazing. Where do you get the support from for this? Hmm? Where do you get the so support? The council and Newry Morning Down Council, or help me. Right. You know, and have you found them very beneficial? Yes, yes, very beneficial. Like As you say, I've got a lot of ideas going on, and for people to actually sit and listen to that, and, um, believe in you is amazing. What's you your know? proudest moment being? Proudest moment would be to be on Great British Menu. Definitely to be on Great British Menu because I watched it from when I was a kid, you know, and always wondered would I be good enough to be on that, you know. And you were yeah. and twice, <laughs> and you're go- you're coming back by the signs of things as well. How would you describe your cooking style? Um, I do a a Taiwan style of cooking, so I only use ingredients within twenty five miles. So if it's not from here, I'm not cooking with it. So that's really that. Those are the fundamental rules, and and then anything goes within yeah. twenty five miles. Yeah. So if I was to come round to you today and I said, right, cook me something, what? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that those things change all the time. How would you impress me with the local produce? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a good dish I do use in Castle Screen, and um, the first time I went to Castle Screen Farm, all the, the fields were covered in clover. I asked Damien, what's that about? And he goes, well, it holds the nitrates in the soil, so they don't have to use pesticides. And this always stuck in my head, so I created a dish over that. So I do a, a Dexter short rib or a salted short rib for 30 hours and then slow cook it for 48 hours. So it just it holds the structure, but it's really, really tender. And then I do that with a bone marrow galette, like a potato galette. I do a smoked onion puree and I do clover, clover powder and clover oil. So I'm trying to put the cow back in the field. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's good. Salivating. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds absolutely delicious. Um, do you have a favourite dish to cook? Favourite dish to cook? Mm. At the moment, I'm doing a, a really, really nice pre-dessert. So it's with parsnip mead and oat. So it, it sounds very, very out there. <laughs> parsnip. Mead. Mead and oats. oats. Yeah. As so a pre-dessert. Pre-dessert, yeah. I didn't even know there was such a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a, there's a really, really natural sweetness in the parsnip. Yeah. And then I get honey from a next-door neighbour who <gasps> um, has his beehives out in the Murla in Dundrum. So I make mead out of that every year. And I make all different types of meal mead, so... And I do, so I do a set oat, set oat and parsnip cream. And I, I've rolled that in honey caramelised oats. I do a parsnip and white chocolate sponge. I do a meat sorbet, candy parsnip and then honey meringue. Oh my goodness. I think it's a shock factor I like the most about yes. whenever people parsnip for dessert. Yes. And then they eat it and they're like, that's amazing. 
you know. Well, I suppose we have carrot cake, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And carrots can be really sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's just thinking differently about mm-hmm. your food and, and what it could be. And I must, I, I like the idea of a pre-dessert yeah. and a dessert. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoever came up with that is a genius. Um, in your kitchen, they always say, you know, you've got you to gotta have the right tools. Mm-hmm. What are the three kitchen tools you couldn't do without? Mm. Well, Thermomix, for a start, is an amazing piece oh, of right. kit. Oh, right, Thermomix, yes, Thermomix, I've seen that. an amazing piece of kit. And then my dehydrator, where I can make all my own spices. So that I dehydrate a lot of forest ingredients to make my own spices. And then the third one would be a backpacker, which is very good. See, for pickling or just sealing off to call it deer, backpackers are amazing. Oh, incredible. And why Thermomix? I've seen that advertised. I see lots of people talking about it. What does it do? It, well, it'll blend anything. It's smooth as anything. But they're also good for making hot oils or you can make ice cream start to finish. Oh, goodness me. Do you ever encounter challenges? And if you do, how do you cope? I, I love challenges. I think that's why you get out of bed in the morning. You know, <laughs> if if it's not challenging, what's the point? You're not pushing yourself hard enough. You know, if you don't feel uncomfortable about something, and something's not challenging, then what's the point in doing it? You know, that's why I look at. It. You want to get better all the time. Has there ever been that kind of body blow that you've had that you thought, Oof, <laughs> "Can I bring this today? Can I get back up again?" We're all yeah. talking about resilience at the minute. Yeah, well, you get body blows, but I'd be a very positive person. So anytime I think was wrong, I, I don't look at the negative. I look at the positive and say, right, well, here's a wee chance for me to learn today. And I see if I think it's positive. And apart from your granddad, <laughs> um, you know, who would have been your greatest role model? Yeah, well, greatest chefs, role model-wise, it has to be a chef because I love yeah. food, um, would have been Michelle Bra, the original forager, the French guy, and then um, Renny Zappi from Doma, oh. two, two of my favourite chefs. And why do you love them? I just, I just love their wildness. You know, they're wild, but yet they're... They're wild, bold flavours, but you ever find on the plate. And I think that's amazing. That, that's the style I go for, too. So do you see the uh, the girls following in your footsteps? Mm, I, I can't see them, but it's not something I will push them into, because you have to love it to do it. You know, if I push them into being a chef, they're, they're not going to be happy. But if they turn around and say, Daddy, I'd like to be a chef, I'd be, I'd be very, very delighted with that, you know. It could grow to be a family business. <laughs> it could do, it could do. Finally, how do you juggle it all? How do you juggle your business, your family and manage your time? Because, Paul, we're very aware and I've, I've read lots of things about how unfamily friendly being a chef can be and not the greatest lifestyle. <laughs> well, well, that's some people's opinions. I, I love the lifestyle. You know, I, I love the love the fast pace of it and the, the creativity. Um, in, in order to manage it all, I keep a tidy house. I'm a very, very organised person. Really, really organised. And then if we have family time, we have a couple of rules. So I always leave my phone in the car. So if anyone knows that they need to get me, they know to phone my wife. And it's just a couple of rules we have in place to keep the wife and the kids happy. And, you know, family time for me and time off for me as well is very important. And how much time off do you get? One, one day a week. Sometimes it, it just depends. It just depends, you know. And it's hard to, I'm sure, for for that time with your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least now that I'm working for myself, like an, unless it's the day of the event, I can do my prep at different times. So I can spend time with the daughters in the morning and go in and work later at night. So you're really making it work for you. And yeah. do you think that uh, comes from being your own boss? Yeah, exactly. Do yeah. you like being your own boss? Yeah, yeah. Could you go back and work for anyone again? <laughs> no, I don't really like being told what to do, to be <laughs> honest. You know, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I don't think I'd ever go back to work for anyone else. 
No, I think once you've been self-employed, it's very difficult to go back, isn't it? Mm. Especially you get to a certain age and you think, no, I think I'll I'll stay where I am. But if you do look at the whole industry, I mean, the hospitality industry was really, you know, hit so badly. And everybody's talking about the need for staff, whether it's waiting staff, whether it's chefs, all of that. But yet lots of people are thinking, I'm not going into that, you know, because it's the unsocial hours. It's maybe grand when you're young and you've got all of that energy. But in terms of, you know, sticking with it and then ha- being able to have a life outside that as well, would you urge people to, to still train as a chef, train in hospitality? Yes, mo- most definitely. Like, I've been cooking professionally for 24 years. And not one day have I woke up and went, not today. Not one day. No like, regrets. You know, I love it like more than anything, especially in the heat of service when you're under pressure. Because it lets you know your life. You know, your heart's pumping, you know, and everything's going well. I, I love it more than anything in the world. There, there seems to be a bad persona with the hours and, and even the attitudes in kitchens. But yeah. A lot of restaurants now are offering four days on, three days off. And if you ask me, that's that's pretty fair. That's okay. You know, you got four long days. You got one day to recover and then two good days off and then you're back to work. And same as the persona in kitchens as well. Like there seems to be a lot of attitudes and anger and aggression. Well, I'm going to tell you that doesn't happen in my kitchen. The first thing about more and harder, we're professional, but we also have fun. Because I think if you're having fun and you're into what you're doing, that shows in the food and that shows in the service. No one to eat aggressive food. And I'm sure there's a lot of restaurants going the same way. And then in terms of you as a leader, yes, you have fun in the kitchen, but at the end of the day, you've got standards mm-hmm. and your customers want perhaps the food that they know and expect from you, but you're taking other people on. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a challenge? No, no, not so much. Because you have team briefs. They all know what I'm about. And if people don't want to be there, they're not going to be there. And no plate leaves without me saying it. So. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses by offering insight into the success of businesses such as the Morn Larder. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, what advice would you give to those who may have an idea? Maybe they want to start a restaurant. Maybe they've got a food initiative that they'd like to give a go. Maybe they're working for somebody else and they think, could I do this on my own? They maybe are unsure as to whether it's a risk worth taking. What would you say? No one else is going to do it for you. You know, you may as well go for it. You know, what's the worst can happen, really? You and know? what's the best bit of advice you would give if you are thinking of starting up on your own? Well, line out, do your figures, check your market, do a bit of market research, and then just go for it. Seriously, like, honestly, what's the worst can happen? You know, if you feel, okay, in a year's time, you get our job somewhere else. You know, but at least you've tried. At least you've tried, you know. And I don't think you're going to give up trying at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I can tell you're a busy man. We've yeah. whizzed through this podcast today. Paul, thanks so much for joining me on the Public Eye podcast. You've been a fantastic guest and I'm definitely going to sign up for that secret dining experience. Take care, everybody, and join me again for another fantastic episode. And remember to subscribe to stay up to date. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. 
For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.